I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift. The final recap of the Santos Tour Down Under Stage 5 GC over starting in Unley, finishing on Mount Lofty, a hard circuit, the Basque with Ibar stage light, the best we can do in Australia. And actually a pretty nice design, a very hard circuit. This stage, for example, uh, riders doing over 300 normalized at, you know, or five watts per kilo normalized for the two hours and 50 minutes, however long it took the stage to do, two hours 40, a pretty hard stage for a January stage race. We had Javon in the leader's jersey, trying to defend a 15-second lead against both Yates and Bill Bow a piece. Sheffield, you know, a fair bit back. There was a 30-second gap between uh, Bill Bow in third and Sheffield in fourth and then a whole host of other riders. But there could still be changes on GC, guys able to move up, move down. You know, you have a mechanical in the final list, you lose 30 seconds, you're moving from fifth to 15th. Big changes possible because of the tight gaps. Um, and, yeah, just a hilly circuit finishing up on Mount Lofty. Did you, you didn't watch Benji? Well, you watched on delay, but you, you had some Sunday Sunday sleep in. Yeah, I had some Sunday sleep in. Uh, by the way, this time we had pre-decided not to show up in the middle of the night when it comes to my time. So it's not my fault that we're, uh, we're late. It's a, a both decision thing. <laughs> I got a call yeah, out in the comments yesterday. <laughs> I was like, Benji, listen. Please don't wake up at 4 a.m. It's unnecessary. <laughs> We're rushing to put the content out for the European audience. It's <laughs> So they can listen to it at 5.30 on a Sunday morning. <laughs> no, midday will do, I think. I think so as well. Anyway, break formation was happening, and Luke Blapp was one of the riders that was very active to try and go in the breakaway in the Aussie jersey. i got to say it again. Aussie and C jerseys are my favorite jerseys in the peloton. I love the yellow with the green. Always loved it. Gold with green, whatever you call it. Ah, oh, perfect. Anyway, tried to get in the breakaway, and UAE tried to slip riders with the moves that Plap was trying to create. And that was kind of not really surprised, but I was expecting Bike Exchange to do that, Jayco to do that. And they were controlling the breakaway. They had riders actually closing down the, the groups that UAE and Plap were forming in that way. But a bit later, Matthews did decide to go in the breakaway, a four-man breakaway that went up the road for a tiny bit, where Matthews took the intermediate sprint points. Is it surprising that Jayco didn't try to send Matthews in the larger break, but decided to go in the smaller break without a Ineos rider there? I think teams could have been a little bit more creative and used this parkour. I think I think UAE, they're a strong team here, but they not lucky is the wrong word, you know, because what I'm suggesting is not conventional. But yeah, I don't <laughs> think you know, even though Bling's on two thirty, if you put him in the proper big break, that's really annoying for UAE to chase because you can't really let it out too much. Um, yeah, and, and Yeah. Or who else could have done that that has two leaders up there? Maybe Antimache with Bistrom and Page. Uh, maybe they're too close but at that point. 
But yeah, I didn't really see teams taking advantage of having two leaders at all. I agree. Very much agree. And there's also the aspect of if Matthews goes in that larger break, what is UAE going to do with that one rider they put up there? It's kind of like the situation that they had in Basque Country two years ago where they had Hirschi in the breakaway and then they had to call him back later because he was in the group that they were supposed to catch in the first place. So you're creating situations that UAE has to decide in the car what to do with. And in the past, they've made mistakes with that. I do feel like in the Santos to the Under, their tactical decision-making has been okay. So... Maybe they would have responded okay on this one. But anyway, that group was caught very soon after, to be honest. So Matthews had taken three seconds, three points as well. The seconds not being that relevant. The points basically already securing his points jersey at this point in the race. But once again, a group up the road. Hepburn in there now when it comes to uh, bike exchange, Jaco. I'll keep calling it bike exchange for a few months, I'm afraid. We've got Bahrain and Quickstep actually closing down the group of 13 at that very moment. And, um, well... They weren't pacing it completely down yet. It was a group that stayed out for long and actually took away the points and seconds at the second intermediate. We have the second last Mount Lofty where stuff really started showing up again. And Blap was starting to pace with Hyduk in the wheel. And I was like, Blap pacing, Hyduk in the wheel, catching the group that was ahead. What is their plan here? Is it their plan to like set up Hater here? Or is it the plan to like launch Hyduk? Like, because... I didn't see Hater, but then again, Hater's positioning is always at the back of the group. So I don't know what they were trying there. Any clue? Nope. <laughs> I don't really know. That was for KOM, right? As well. Uh, well, Flap was, cl- was was pacing half the climb, so it was kind of surprising that he would do that if it was only KOM. Yeah. To launch Hyder, I don't really, I don't really know. Um, I can't figure it out, to be honest. Oh, okay. It's been... Now, well, like, Plap, I think, was statistically eliminated from KOM, and then Heideck ended up leapfrogging him in KOM, but they were both, like, fourth and fifth. I don't... I couldn't really figure it out. Maybe they are just trying to make something happen. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't really understand. Maybe Sheffield wasn't feeling too good after his crash, but yeah. the Ineos week has been a bit, bit confusing to me all round. Yeah, for me as well, to be honest, but... Dinim was the weirdest one on the climb because Dinim had been in that earlier break. We have 13 riders. He gets called by the group with Plap pacing at the front. And the next three to four minutes, probably two minutes, but it felt like three to four minutes because of how cringe it was. He was riding next to Plap while Plap was pacing, half-wheeling him while Plap was trying to pace the group. And I don't know if it was some kind of like pissing competition of who could stay at the front of the group the longest, but Plap was clearly getting frustrated to the point where he went to the side and Hajduk started pacing instead. And then Plap moved back to the front when when Dinam was gone. So yeah, it was super weird situation. I don't know what Dinam was trying there. He was caught, then he tries half-wheeling Plap. I don't know what he got out of the stage as a consequence, but not the craziest stuff. But to be honest, second last Mount Lofty, still no moves by Jaco. So they were betting everything on the final climb when it comes to Yates. Do you think the reason for that is that Hebron got called early, Matthews got called early? If they had a satellite rider up the road, do you think Yates would have gone earlier? Nah, because it's really not that hard, this profile still. I know I said it's Basque Country light, but it, you know we're talking 1.5K, 6.5%. Yes, there's some other climbing, and yes, they're racing it hard, but there's no 2-kilometer, 10% launching pad. Um they had, I think another thing I'd like to note is UAE 
I was quite surprised. Maybe Catania was a bit closer, but for the most part, they had the best break ever because it was on five minutes. The closest guy was on five minutes, I think, Lefay. And I was like, how the fuck did Lefay lose five minutes in this race? It must have been the crosswinds <laughs> um, the day before. But, yeah, that usually in a stage race like this, you'll have someone on a really annoying gap of 90 seconds who'll sneak in there because you, you can't control everything when it's splitting up. Um, so they that was good for them and EF had controlled. So the UAE were coming and looking really strong in this finish. I was thinking Hishikovi might get it done because they've had a lot of other teams do the work um, because of the way the race had played out per, and they'd kept their cool. I remember seeing through the finish line a quick step rider trying to bridge across and Vine say to teammates, just let it go. Like we don't need to overchase solo riders who aren't a threat on GC trying to bridge across the break sitting in no man's land. So they were doing everything right. But yeah, it's the question was, as Benny said, Bling had sort of burnt one match and then would burn another one later. It was clear that Jaco were going all in for Yates GC yeah. and maybe the stage if he could get it. I think not a bad, I think the right thing to do actually um, to give him the chance to go for GC, the guy sitting in second. Bling had had plenty, you know, he had the chance yesterday in Wollonga. Um, but I will mention before we get to that final, before I throw to Benji, I've had a great week at the TDU, just over a week actually, and it's all been thanks to Zwift uh, sending me out here, getting the flavor of the race, presenting the Young Riders jersey, the Zwift Young Riders jersey to Magnus Sheffield yesterday. It was very, very cool. No, despite the memes on Twitter, I didn't say you're going to win the 2025 Tour de France, even though he is going to um but i thought it'd be a bit weird to just <laughs> here you go by the way my jean in 18 months um no again i got the math wrong again two and a half years but it's been a great week um got to see the race on top of lofty today that's why i'm extra sunburned i like to thank wes salzberger i think benji's pcm nemesis is that right from back in the day Oh, I don't want to talk about it. Like every single time a career mode starts on Pro Cycling Manager, the first races are the Australian Championships and the Santos Tour Under. And every single time, this dude Wes Sulzberger went in the bloody breakaway and won from the breakaway. And I was riding with one rider, so I couldn't control the breakaway. So devastating. Every time I tried to get in the breakaway, the peloton was cut. Yeah, okay, I'm I'm getting salty here. We should we should continue onwards. I'm afraid. <laughs> Anyway, Wes is actually also a real person, and he's, yeah, he's been great this week, <laughs> making it a, a fun week. So thanks to them. Thanks also, um, yeah, to Tim Aspesh for sorting me a, wi- a bike out for the week, which helped out Ooh, la, la. as well. Um, yeah, I know, for a very, very slow freeway, old freeway, old tall <laughs> climb, but yeah, it's fun nonetheless. Go back to the old roots. But yeah, had a great week. Thanks to Zwift as always. Uh, if you want to hop, hop on Zwift yourself, go to the link down below. Uh, Swift.com. Yeah, the final, Benji, all in for Yates. What could uh, Bike Exchange or Jayco Alula summon up? Also, O'Connor was sort of lingering about for AG2R. This is what I want to ask here. Bill Bow, right? Bill Bow wins that sprint, gets over Corkscrew, and he seems to have all the characteristics of a puncher. And yet he's not competitive for this stage. And he doesn't really win Grand Tour stages either. He wins like a Tour of the Alps stage. He's not competitive at Liège Uh, or Flesh. He won that one stage though. Was it at the end of the Giro 20... 
1918, where Carapaz won the Giro, I think he won stage 20 after Nivoli attacked and was about to win the Giro, but because he was with Roglic on that stupid stage for way too long, he lost the Giro. Uh, that's one I remember. But anyway, I get yeah, your point, two. and I, I agree with your point. As I, in, Is it a fatigue thing? Is it, a, is it because know. today was race really hard the whole race? I actually don't know. I feel like harder stages often suit Bilbao when it comes to the way they're ridden. So it's kind of odd that today it didn't work out. And if we look at the races throughout the season, we know that he's consistent throughout the season, but maybe he's just not consistent throughout the race because the victories that he gets are also usually... It doesn't make sense because he's done decent GCs in the past. So I think it's just, I think it's just early season. Maybe there's still a few f- things to tweak. I wouldn't look after it and say, oh, he's got a horrible problem for the rest of his life. I think... uh, My theory is he doesn't perform as well, can't do his peak or close to his peak one and five minute after a lot of kill duels in the last couple of hours before. That's my working theory. And that if there's an easy-ish stage and then a six-minute Wapakilo test and then a sprint from a small group afterwards, like corkscrew, He's better. Possible, but I swear a few years ago he won stages that were a lot harder than this one. Yeah, I don't zero know. two stages, <laughs> including in Orlando <laughs> in that stage twenty you mentioned. Uh, but one team that was not present in the group was Ineos because Hater had actually had a puncture or a crash. I don't know what it was, but Plap was waiting with about fourteen k to go. So you're right. He was not there, and we were focusing on what can Jayco do in this final. And we saw Matthews, like you said, giving his second pull of the day, second effort of the day. Then Derbish took over after that, all for Yates. And then it was weird because then Dennis went to the front. I think that's for Milan Vader. And Anthony Marche started pacing. I I think that was Bistrim for Pash, which is a bit... I don't know. I, I guess that was Bishram for Pash. The thing is, Bishram has been really close in this race as well. Fifth on Corkscrew could have a good result here as well. Pash is just a better finisher on paper. But then again, Bishram has been winning the the second group sprints or getting close on the second group sprint. So Is it Dion Smith? Oh, could have been. That would make a lot more sense than my theory. Because Bishram still finished in like fifth. So there's no way he was doing that pull and then finishing yeah. fifth, right? That it would make a lot more sense if it was Dion Smith. So let's go with that working We're not theory used for to now. The new riders and new kit. It's not like it takes us a full month. That's why TDU is so good um, to get used to it. By the way, before I forget, I forgot yesterday. I have seen, I saw an Ineos rider or a Trek rider. I saw, I think, an Ineos rider miss a bit on because they couldn't find their Swanier because too many Swanieurs were in red. They were looking, <laughs> and there was a Cofidus, a Trek Arcaea, and an Ineos. And they missed, they went in and like, fuck, wrong Swanya. And then it continued on. <laughs> that's, that's actually funny. <laughs> it's bad for the riders, but <laughs> it's him. the team's fault. <laughs> 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 anyway, we continue onwards. Goffert is paces forward with Kokar in the wheel. And the group is kind of reduced to 20 riders then because that Goffert is domestique actually did a really hard pull once again. But Kokar's then left in first position. And who's going to take over? Vine moves up, UAE. Has a rider moved to the front so that Vine doesn't have to pace himself? And then we've got a crash, eh? The rider that Dennis has been pacing for. Who crashed? Vada. I think uh, there's yep. Milan Vada, Meyerhofer as well, the DSM guy who's actually looking quite good this year. 
here she was back in the group, and I was thinking, maybe UAE just leave this whole damn thing out and go for here she in the sprint. Um, and I don't know where Covey was. I think UAE were kind of using him earlier. He finished way back. Bennett was on patrolling duties. Bennett and here she were very strong. But yeah, Simon Yates, Bling did a hard lead out, and then Simon Yates just launched after UAE were kind of soft pacing, and O'Connor and Vine follow. O'Connor looked like he was suffering a bit in the wheel. Obviously, Vine doesn't need to take over. There's also, I think Yates was already ahead of Bill Bow and GC, so Bill Bow not being there, not that decisive because like O'Connor's not going to gain 35, 50 seconds on him. Yates, I don't know. Yates was super strong, Benji. Both of the Yates, I know this isn't Adam, but they can kind of really keep this really heavy tempo up and I was thinking, oh, it was fine going to go over the top, but it just looked like no one could really counter. And the Yates brothers had this way of they really go full, like, and they put the other riders into difficulty on their wheel. Um, and then I thought Vine was going to win the sprint. And basically this is what happens. O'Connor starts taking over. I think he thinks, oh, I can maybe move up into, you know, I can improve my GC position by this group staying away. I'm not sure who was pacing behind. Do you? I presume Bill Absolutely Bale. no clue. Probably Bill Bale. Yeah. And then Vine, he, Yates goes to the back. I thought like on Corkscrew stage or somewhere like that, or no, not Corkscrew, Nettle Hill, where Yates, Yates sat on on Nettle Hill and then got completely cooked by uh, by Vine in the sprint. And then today he went to the back and I thought it might have been something similar. Anyway, O'Connor is closed by Vine, but O'Connor was just kind of pulling. Vine leads it out, and it's over this dip, and Yates gets this perfect run in Vine's wheel on this downhill where he's virtually, yeah, like doing so many less watts, and then he comes out of Vine's wheel and nails him in the fast finish, winning the stage, but not enough to change anything on GC. Vine winning GC, 11 seconds out of Simon Yates. His first GC win... I think of anything. I think, yep. yes, he had a lot of seconds, twice second at Turkey, second at Norway in GC. First GC win, and then 27 ahead of Bill Bow, then Sheffield, Schmidt. Schmidt was kind of conspicuous in his absence in the last couple of stages, but still held on to fifth. O'Connor on 104, Bistrom 106, Tiberi 107, Izaguirre 113 in ninth, then Cockard, Seboic in 13th. With the prologue being dry, he finished in the top 10. He's going to score a lot of UCI points this year. Thanks for coming. Cadell Evans road race. You'll be seeing him there. But yeah, big win for Jay Vine, Benji. I honestly, as the biggest Jay Vine booster in history, I didn't pick him for this race. I picked Bling. Um, and I don't think my logic was necessarily wrong. But I really, the, the climbers really made their race their, race their own. When you look at this yep. top three and the gap, Vine, Yates, Bill Bow, I thought it was going to be Bling, um, Betty Ole, Sheffield, or a Hater. Hater was a co-favorite for GC, and it really was the climbers. Especially with this parkour. Now, Hater could have been here, could have been in the final, but I doubt he would have been able to follow the Simon Yates attack with the form he's been showing this week. So, I don't know. The parkour, when you see it the first time around, when we saw it going into the Sandstone and Under, didn't look like the most heavy parkour. No Willunga Hill, no real finishing climb as well, because Mount Lofty is not really the, the biggest climb in history, let's be honest about it. The last 400 meters are a bit steep, but the rest is kind of like 3-4%. And the fact that 
Simon Yates is able to be so decisive on this climb and that Vine was so decisive on Nettle Hill and Corkscrew, the two climbs that were a bit more when it comes to the gradients. The climbers really used every opportunity along the way to try and gain on the riders that are not the climbers, the riders that are already the punchy types and so forth. And if you have a scenario like in Etoile de Bessege where you don't have those climbers really pushing those climbs that you have the chance of Betiol even winning GC after the first time trial if that doesn't happen. So it, it's good for the race that this happened. It's good for the race that this parkour did that. Now, Matthews, your pick initially, like, let's be honest about it, he had his puncture and he was kicked out of GC as a consequence. So we never know what would have happened if he was still in GC. I will say, however, Javine has had a, a wonderful glow up towards the, throughout the last three years. Like three years ago to 2021, uh, we were talking about him Podiuming that Velta stage after getting hit by, by the car of Alpacin. He would have won that stage without the car hit. I'm keeping up that statement for the rest of my life because the comeback he made afterwards was insane. And then the year afterwards, two Velta stages, great stage in the Arctic race of Norway together with your boy Remco and, um, and Plappy Boy. And then we see him this year starting off with, first of all, confirming that he has a decent time trial. Not a godlike time trial yet, a decent time trial. We'll see what that will grow into once he gets into wind tunnel and so forth at UAE. So that can still evolve. That can still become better. And especially because that time trial was also on a road bike. So what will he do on a on a time trial bike? I want to see that dynamic. Uh, well, actually, the Australian champs was on a time trial bike. This was on a road bike in the Santa Sudan under. But he's had his like steps forward every single time. And I wonder what his next step is going to be. Because Santa Sudan under GC is great. Winning it is great. But... It's not winning today and all. So we need to level up a tiny bit for a, a world tour level race with like the, the big boy competition. And then we can look at co-leadership at the Giro, which he already has in hand, I would say. So great move forward, I think, when it comes to Vine, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, just dealing with, it's just more experience. Like defending the jersey is tough. There's stress with it. There's people going off the front. All that experience is really useful. Uh, useful for his teammates. Like, well, I'm not sure. Has Kovi been in the Pog teams for GC? I feel like it's usually Salem, Micah, McNulty. I don't know. Like, I'm sure he might have been, but. You know, maybe Kovey's more used to all the guys having a free role and he gets to go for stages. He certainly does at Andalusia in the Giro. And today and this week, he sort of admirably was a really good in a domestique role. I think it really surprising to me. Like when I think of, I look at, say, oh, Valenciana, right? Look at the profiles. Way harder. Way harder than this race. And usually I'll just be like, all right, tune into that final 20Ks, nothing's going to happen. Like, they're going to race. This will be a reduced bunch sprint 100% of the time. And they were just super aggressive. And it makes me think that yeah. I feel like teams could, if they really nail down, look at the parkour, identify where their riders could try and do something and really commit to it, we could have more aggressive racing and, and less, yeah, less settling for a sprint. Um, because like uh, this this stage isn't that hard like you know two categorized climbs and you got yates ruining everyone in the final except for vine and o'connor on his wheel and you know not the hugest gaps but a hard stage it's just it goes to show that i think sometimes organizers can do their best with the parkour um but it could have easily at this week 
been four Michael Matthews stages um, yep. type stages with not that much exciting racing, but the, the races came into play. I want to go back to what you said about Vine when it comes to pressure. We can talk about pressure when it comes to Vine every single day of the week, but let's be honest about it. There's been this Australian koala for the last three years shouting Jay Vine on this podcast by the name of Patrick Bro that has put pressure on the man's shoulders every single race. So <laughs> I think he can handle pressure at this Mate. point. <laughs> well, yeah. He'll win the Giro, so... What noises do uh, koalas make? It's not make? pressure if you already say it will happen. What noises do koalas make? I don't know. They have STDs, though. Did you know that? <laughs> Let's continue with cycling. <laughs> A lot of koalas in Adelaide. Um, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Simon Yates, good shape. Crowd was happy. I could literally hear. I can say the crowd was happy, like... Oh, Australian one GC and the Australian team won the stage. So that was good. Uh, just to round off some housekeeping. Obviously, I said Vine won GC, but points jersey went to Bling, four points ahead of his teammate, Simon Yates, the blue jersey. Uh, KOM went to oh, Honore, won it, not Vine. Oh. Did, didn't know that. So he wins the jersey in his new outing with EF after leaving Quickstep. Uh, youth Swift Young Riders jersey, Sheffield wins that. 10 seconds headed to Barry, who. I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see this is the year with Tiberi. Not really. <laughs> I can't be like 21 <laughs> years old with two years left in his deal. This is the year, buddy. But, um, you know, third GC at Tour Hungary in 2021. And what did he come last year in Hungary? Did it again. Oh, Second? he just won a stage. He's oh. really not shown much in the big, in big stage races or any stage races he's done since then. This is a you know, his best result, I think, yeah, in a World Tour GC. So I'd like to see the Italian TT sort of climbing guy kick on. Uh, and Hugo Parsh was fucking good. He's really, really good. And UAE won teams, unsurprisingly, because Bennett and he or she stayed way up there in GC. Um, Paul Penway Benji. Yes. Is he good enough to win a Paranese sprint or a, a mixed Paranese stage or is... Or is it more a Dauphiné stage with more hills you're looking at, like those Hater Van Aert stages in the Dauphiné last year? I think we'll first see him, a coupe de, uh, see him win a Coupe de France race. Uh, a one-day race in France. I won't be seeing it. Because <laughs> you won't be watching. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I think His generally parents will that... be seeing it. <laughs> the seven people who decide the road will be seeing it. But no, uh, that's actually there's more than seven people who watch those races. They got yeah, good that's crowds. <laughs> Paul Penouet, I think he's gonna win a Coupe de France race. I don't see him compete for a Dauphiné sprint, even a, a hillier sprint in the Dauphiné yet. I I also expect to go Pache to win a Coupe de France race, by the way. Those two riders are gonna move up and I feel like we've got a lot of French youngsters actually. Like that entire bloody group Conti team has made as like overwhelmed with French talent, which is pretty great. Now I am mentioning Pash, who probably didn't come from that team in the first place. I don't even know where he came from. He came from Kupama Conti team. Okay, well that's there goes my idea. <laughs> Everybody oh, comes from the Kupama Conti team. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, I think one of those two wins the Dauphiné stage. Anyway, okay. Or I I trust you. I will fully side by your by your side here. I'm gonna say that Romain Gregoire wins a wins the Dauphiné stage instead, just to to meme with it all. And he's also bloody after winning Liège. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll take it. Now, um, I think that's about it when it comes to this race. We had lots of riders that showed talent, lots of riders that we weren't 
known with yet that weren't known yet like corbin strong has shown himself a tiny bit most at intermediate sprints but i do expect more from he that rider yeah he got unlucky with ooh, that ooh. yesterday he just had bad legs and, and crash yeah yeah uh Lucky. legendary seb berwick of course um for real though, he's on he said he's on <laughs> okay what about san juan <laughs> are we, man are what are we doing with san juan? i would never do this are we yeah. in any danger of overrating a january australian stage race like you would Bistrom, never do it, for example it? like Bistrom? how much does seventh on gc really mean here it just means that for the last years he's done the same in andalusia and algarve and now he's doing it at Santos Under, and for the rest of the year he's domestique then. So this confirms that he's going to be a versatile domestique this year once again. And that's what I see Bishram as. And it's pretty cool that he's disconnected now from Christoph because that might offer more opportunities for him as a solo rider throughout the season. So we'll see what that gives for Bishram. I hope to see a tiny bit more than last year because after his one race that he did well at Algarve, he then became versatile domestique again. So anyway, Mauro Schmidt, also big boy. Um, looking forward to see yeah, what he has to offer. That's a good point. Like, does this impress you more for Schmidt than, for example, six in Montreal or winning Balois at GC? No. Yeah, I, I think agree with you. Balois at GC, I don't really care too much about. <laughs> Sorry, Belgian. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> um, I think... Uh, Montreal was the biggest one for me when it comes to like proving that he can do it in one day races. But next to that, well, mainly that because it's also a harder and race. He's good in worlds. Yeah, he was in that group with. Um, he was pacing for Emco. <laughs> they full sank themselves, right? What do you mean? Am I thinking of a completely different race? I'm thinking of the women's race. When Van okay. came back, which he wasn't Christ. in that race. <laughs> it's late here. Yeah, Mauro Schmidt was not in the women's worlds. <laughs> uh, all right. um, well, I mean, Schmidt, he's in the cobble team. He should be good this year. He's in the cobble team now? Okay. A quick step? Instead of who? Well, there, uh, I can barely find eight riders in the team these days. Oh, Stieber, when it comes to the cobble team. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Seneschal and Schmidt and Alphilippe Askren. Yeah, we'll see how they go. Anyway, you mentioned San Juan. We won't be doing daily coverage of San Juan. It's not a world tour race. We will do a wrap-up podcast. There is a preview of it on lanternrouge.com. Dot com, by the way. No longer dot. Oh, la, 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 Yeah. Domain change, thanks to the kind generosity of one of uh, our fans. But it took me a long time to transfer the domain because You're yeah, not my forte. <laughs> um, yeah lanternrouge.com there's a San Juan preview it's really good I think uh, the preview definitely surprised some of the markets when we're like you know Quinn Simmons can win this race because he's really good at long steady climbs to altitude and everyone's like holy shit he's been doing 30 hour weeks but he's going to be up against it against Evenepoel uh, Sevilla and Lopez the Medellin dynamic no. duo <laughs> no um, yeah but we'll do a recap podcast of that once it's finished. Avonapol is basically there as a lead-out man, from what I can see. Okay. Looking forward oh, who's to winning it. San Juan? Prediction. Oh, it, like, the parkour's kind of fucked up in the sense that there's, like, all flat stages. There's one mountain stage to Alto de Colorado, but it's the kind no, of stage where the gradient is, like, average 4% maybe for, like, 70 kilometers, probably overrating the <laughs> yeah, climb a tiny so bit. Long. but. But you know what I mean? It's a stage where Remco was behind two echelons before the climb started a few years ago. 
And then he came back to the front. And then Miguel Eduardo Flores, that Colombian dude that everybody expected to be a god uh, when he was performing at San Juan, just disappeared after that race. But he won that stage. Now, I think there's not much for Evenepoel to work with, except echelons or whether he finds a way to drop Lopez and Sevilla and so forth on like a gradient of 4%, which Remco could probably do, but he needs to thin out the group then before then, and his team is sprinter-focused, so can his team do that? Yeah, this is one stage. There's one stage where the climb is like after 40 kilometers, a long climb, a harder climb. What if a Medellin decides to open it up there? Then they're fucking themselves, they right? Won't. They won't. What, to then have Lopez pace on the flag against Remco? Yeah. <laughs> doing it yeah exactly so i think Aguita is the best chance is a good chance to win His bonus seconds will be key he could win that colorado stage yeah i think quick step got to let remco go for it on one of the sprint stages loses wheel through a corner what is anyone going to do nothing so yeah they should try that but, um, it'll be interesting go quinn simmons when it comes to sprints from popple is there for sam bennett Good sprint. Is it too early in the season? For what? For Bennett to be good? Well, who knows? I mean, <laughs> with Van Poppel, you just got to sort of steer, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it just puts you there. Um, nah, good good sprint trains here. Quick step, they they got some good trains here. Um, so check out the sprints, Jakobsen, Bennett, Van Poppel, Merku. I'll be, but yeah, we'll be doing a recap podcast after all. Thanks to Zwift. Thanks to you all. And we'll see you... Uh, with a few special episodes dropping next week. Till then, ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 